Hello, everyone. This is Greg, your host of Goddamn GameCube. Welcome to Season 3. If you enjoy listening to our show, consider subscribing to us on YouTube for exclusive video content. Thank you and enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Goddamn GameCube. Greg and Beppy are your hosts today. Our friend Derek is with us again as well. And this is episode one of our Metal Gear Solid retrospective. There's a lot going on in this series, and I I trust Beppy to bring us through, so please guide us, because this series <laughs> is fucking crazy. So go <laughs> ahead. Let's do it. Yes. Uh, thank you both for being here. Uh, definitely a high-profile item on my to-do list for this show. Um, this series is, as we all know, very complicated. I'm going to try to keep it as simple as possible. Because, uh, I don't know, I feel like it's that's that's a, a roadblock for a lot of people. There's a lot. Um, and, you know, in, in terms of uh, spoilers and whatnot, I'm trying to kind of, as we move forward here, um, you know, it, use your own discretion. We're not going to spoil anything ahead of its time. Just tap out if you think you, you, you're sold and you want to play this game for the first time, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we're starting off Metal Gear Solid Infamous Game, um, but not the first. And I would like to very briefly just ask you guys, do you have any experience or have you watched anything of the original two Metal Gear games? No. I played the first one. Uh, the second is on my to-do list still. Okay. Because uh, I have to get my hands on the, the HD collection because I want to play the the updated one where they, they change the faces to match right. uh, like current uh, MGS uh, canon. Yeah. So um, to, to put it in perspective, uh, the original Metal Gear... Um, came out in 1987, uh, was released for the MSX2 uh, console uh, in Japan, and um, directed, of course, as we all know, by Hideo Kojima. Mm -hmm. He was a, a sort of a newer employee at the time. Um, he inherited the, the project from a uh, more senior employee, kind of a, a Miyazaki situation there, I guess. Um, and it's pretty fascinating to me that um, what he always goes back to in this time of his life is someone saying, uh, at least make one game before you die. Okay. And that was like their company philosophy, right? So um, this game is seen as the progenitor for the stealth genre. Mm -hmm. um, it has a, you know, for its time, pretty complicated plot as it is. Um, basically, the premise is you are a young uh, s soldier spy called Solid Snake. And you have to infiltrate a fortress called Outer Heaven in Africa um, because there is apparently um, some kind of uh, terrorist warlord who has a, uh, a mech that will fire a nuclear weapon. And I'm just going to get this off my chest right off the bat. They're, the only reason that the Metal Gears exist are because we want cool mech battles. Sure. Like, like that. I mean, the in-game premise is that, oh, they can go anywhere. They're all terrain. They don't have to be fighting robots. Okay. Like I, that's that's my that's my conceit. It's just it's just for coolness's sake. Anyway, so the, this this uh, terrorist leader has has uh, acquired Metal Gear and is planning on using it on the rest of the world for some reason. And um, this this is even from the very beginning. The series has been very subversive because sometimes your your supervisor is big boss, and he will call you on your your radio and occasionally give you bad advice 
And for its time, that was pretty revolutionary. Like, like, oh, oops, I forgot to tell you something. You're going to need your gas mask, right? That sure. kind of thing. So in the end, you, you find out that he is actually the leader of this, this uh, terrorist group or whatever. And he's been controlling things and you have to fight him. He's like your former mentor or whatever. And I think you shoot a, a rocket at him and they leave it at that. And they kind of uh, nuke goes off and um, he says, I'll be back or something like that. The second one, so the first one I would call like it, it's how would you describe it, Derek? Like it's a it's okay for it's the okay. time. I would never play it again. Uh, me but, neither. But the, it's the, like the music cool. is the worst part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty rough. And the, the villains had great names though. Uh, Shoot Gunner is one of them. Yeah, and, and um, uh, Machine Gun Kid I think is the second boss. And um, the Arnolds. And it's oh, a, yeah. a pair of cyborgs. And the guy who uh, who they yells, just, they're set on punch. And the guy who wakes up and yells, "I slept!" in all caps. <laughs> I feel asleep. Yeah, yeah. There's a pretty famous uh, NES port that like really fucks everything up. Um, nobody recommends it. Pretty cool. Um, so the second one, uh, basically, this happened because someone made a non-canon sequel called Snake's Revenge, and he was like. Someone showed it to him and he said, okay, I should just I should just do it myself. I should make my own sequel. And I would very much recommend this game. I wouldn't recommend the first one so much unless you're a huge Metal Gear fan. But the second one is, is very sincerely good. There's a lot of twists and turns. Uh, introduces uh, some characters for the first time like Colonel Campbell and uh, McDonald Miller. And I think essentially the premise is that Big Boss air quotes survived, right? Um, the world is experiencing an oil crisis, so a scientist develops um, a, an alternative fuel, um, but Big Boss kidnaps him so he can control that. And so you're basically, you're, I think your mission is to rescue that scientist, whatever. Metal Gear appears again, um, and that's pretty much, you know, it unfolds more or less the same way as, as the first one. Um, there is, however... Uh, in the first game, you're introduced to Gray Fox, who's another operative, right? And um, in this one, he turns on you, and you have you have a fist fight in a minefield, and he's presumably blown to bits. And um, you wind up uh, defeating Big Boss with a, a, a can of hairspray and a lighter, <laughs> which is is not the the most glamorous way for such a legendary character to go out. But that's the end of the of the second game. Um, definitely like feel like nobody's played it, but I would definitely recommend it. It looks very nice. I just want to say to our audience, for those of you who are lost already, we are talking about Metal Gear 1 and 2. We have not started talking about Metal Gear Solid, no, no, which is which the is PlayStation the, game. Which is the third one. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we had Metal Gear 1 and 2, and now we're on Metal Gear Solid, the main event. Which is really the, the main event, really the famous one that really kicked off the franchise is Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation. Yep. And, uh, you know, called solid, not only for the protagonist, but also for, you know, the solid 3D mm -hmm. graphics, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so when was the last time you folks played this? Uh, uh, I think 2015. I, I think I, I played it twice. It's the only the first Metal Gear Solid is the only one I've played more than once. OK. Um, it wasn't I, that long ago for me. I think I think it was like 2015. I think yeah, it was really? like five or six years ago. And um, so which version did you guys play? I played the original. old school. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I refuse to play the Twin Snakes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I mean, so basically here's, I've never played the Twin Snakes. Um, I have only played the first one, I believe, three times. I played it again a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I, 
I'm not against anybody who enjoys the Twin Snakes. I don't know how much you've seen of it, but it's a GameCube remake that kind of brings it up to the standards of the second game. And they add, you know, like first person aiming and all this like kind of quality of life updates and stuff. Um, but the drawback if, from what I've seen is that the voice acting is not as good. Yeah. And it, it's all the action is really blown through the roof. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, you know, it's funny where we draw the line at this kind of stuff. But Snake like jumping on missiles, like it, it just like I feel like the first game was comparatively a lot more grounded. Yeah. Like, there was no like you know, riding craziness that happens later on or any of the, like, you yeah. know, super duper martial arts stuff. The first one is, is relatively grounded, very simple. So the premise is that you're solid snake and at an older age, um, after, uh, going into re- retirement for a while and he's called back into service by, by Colonel Campbell because, um, his old unit Foxhound has gone rogue. And they are being led by someone who has inherited his call sign called Liquid Snake. And they are essentially, they've taken over this island in Alaska, right? And they also are, it's, it's, it's another, they have a, a new Metal Gear that is being worked on there. And they're holding the world to ransom um, for Big Boss's remains, his body, because they are currently uh, dying of a genetic defect engineered in there. Because it's it's not just like the squad; it's the other soldiers as well. So they are basically holding the world to ransom for that reason. Derek, am I am I understanding that right? That's you're, the basic. You're referring premise. to Fox die. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So essentially, uh, you're being sent in as Solid Snake. To, to quell this crisis, right? And I guess what I first want to ask you to do is like, you didn't play it that long ago. Let's talk about how it holds up. What do you think? Like visually, performance-wise, controls, the whole spiel. It, uh, it holds up very well because the 2015 was the first time I'd played it. Right. Because I mean, whenever Me too. I... Re- yeah. Um, and I th- I enjoyed it thoroughly because like, whenever I recommend this game to people, they're like, oh, well, it's it's like a... It's an it's like an old PS one game from like uh, the late nineties. It probably like hasn't aged very well. I'm like no, it believe me, it it it, it holds up to scrutiny. It's because it's like you compare that to other stealth games from around that time or uh, even a few years later, like um, like Splinter Cell for example. Um, you go back to that game, it's very very clunky, doesn't sure. handle very well at all. Whereas you you pick up MGS one or two and it's like they came out recently I mean, right. at least in terms of the way they they play well um, i think that metal gear solid one holds up because it it's sort of it, it was a 3d game but it's still kind of a top-down game and i think the gameplay and the situations you're in i think all fed into each other really well mm-hmm. where it it doesn't it does it feels less dated because of how it all comes together like we'll talk about this later i feel like some later entries actually feel worse yeah. Because of how it, they it it how 3D games sort of advanced and maybe the Metal Gear gameplay didn't and it feels very strange. But I think this game, it it the sort of almost arcadiness of, of yeah. the shooting kind of all came together in a better way. Yeah, it it aged a little bit better in that way. I will say that it is kind of strenuous that you have to walk around with a D pad instead yeah. of a control stick. Not ideal, but I mean, it, like you say, it is kind of, you know, you have the top-down arcade. It's, mm-hmm. it's worth noting that the original game was kind of inspired by Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. And so you're, it's it's very much like in the avoidance. And you're keeping in mind, it's very, very revolutionary for the time. 
that you know you they had you running away and hiding mm-hmm. instead of you know going shooting at people etc um i think visually it's it's you know obviously it's a playstation one game but um i played uh whatever is on the ps3 marketplace i think it's like an hd port or something um and it's it's very like charming to me mm-hmm. it's very you know like the, the way their faces move when they're talking ah. like up and down kind Love of it. it's very it's very of its time um, the voice acting was noted in particular for being very good. Oh, especially for that time when when all voice acting was terrible. I was yeah. just, just going to raise that point because um because I didn't I didn't have enough free time, of course, to like replay the games in advance of this podcast. But I do a lot of driving. So what I did do to brush up on the story was to play the game movies on YouTube, and I just had this big grin on my face the entire time listening to the first game. Like the voice acting is so unbelievably good, especially when you consider like. American like, like English dubs of Japanese content back then awful like most of the time were just pure dog shit yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just cause even like um here's an example like Final Fantasy 10 which came out two years later yeah one of my favorite games from my youth but the the voice acting in that game is the sole reason why I cannot bring myself to revisit that game. What, what um what year did um, Metal Gear Solid One come out? Nineteen ninety eight. What yeah. I find fascinating too is like even Silent Hill One, the voice acting is terrible. Right. And that came right. out after I believe that was ninety nine. Yeah. And if you look at the most infamous like terrible voice acting of the time is Resident Evil One, and that's awful. And, it, and it's only inter- a couple of years prior. Exactly, it was ninety six. So I think this game not only was it what's the word you used? Uh, what it was the what of the stealth genre? It's progenitor. Really, yeah, the progenitor yeah. of the stealth genre. They also put forward like we want it to be well acted, which at yeah. that time you don't really see that. And yeah. I think also um, it helps that it was either really good direction or I've I've heard that there was some. Um, kind of revisions to the script to to make it work better in English or whatever. Interesting. Okay. But um, David Hayter, I believe, has some. I think he grew up in Japan. So okay. He's, he's the you know voice of Solid Snake, and I think he got like the intonation. Like this is how we we transpose it into mm-hmm. English, I suppose. And um, not only him, I just I think everyone is terrific, and they deliver these absurd, really over the top lines that. And occasionally, like very poetic ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I just they so emphatically, and they really embody the characters super well. In addition to that, uh, also in the auditory spectrum, the sound design is terrific, mm-hmm. and um, the music is probably my favorite of any of the any of these games. Um, just a lot of like like in in terms of you know the later games have their own like standout tracks that everybody remembers but the overall score of this game i like just the most it's I very think. good especially considering like um the, the limits that those older consoles yeah had the in limits terms of, of their the time. music engine um so i'm gonna make another final fantasy comparison now i love the music from ff7 mm-hmm. but if you go back and play those games like like for example the the synth they would use like the the trumpet one especially it's, it's like it's like nails on a chalkboard yeah. and it only came out a year prior yeah, yeah. exactly right it's so bad but yeah. in mgs1 i'm pretty sure most of the tracks except for the um the best is yet to come which is obviously like a, a real like vocal recording yeah it's all synths mm-hmm. it's uh but it's a lot of it sounds like even Tasteful this yeah this, and the strings i mean you you sometimes forget that they're not real so like this, it's the very, sound it's, design is a little bit more it's tasteful. very well yeah. produced well yeah. you, you i mean because it's like a lot of good um, film scores, we should talk, you know, these are obviously, he's a very influenced by cinema director. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like most film scores, it draws a lot from the main theme, The Best is Yet to Come, which plays at the end of the game. Um, and there's a lot of kind of like oohs and ahs that are in that. And like you kind of hear those worked into all the other tracks, like when you're just dicking around Shadow Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, like you hear just kind of like the oh, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it makes it, the atmosphere works so well for me because it's just kind of very subdued and cold. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel very, you know, in the moment. Um, I just, just think it was a great, you know, way to set the tone, I guess. Um, so yeah. So should we get into it? Yeah, please. Okay. So, So, like I said, I told you the premise already. Uh, you're sneaking onto the Alaskan Island shadow Moses, where there's this, uh, base. It's all set there. Very tight, uh, idea for a game. There's only four major sections you have to get through. Um, and I think this intro is maybe one of the most six, like like Mario one one level, uh, you know, iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just like a great way to teach you how all the you know principal mechanics work because you get more and more gear. Like it's like the, it's a on site procurement for all your gear. Sure, right. Um, you don't have a lot at the beginning. All you have is your cigarettes. Um, which you learn that he smuggled in uh, through his stomach and then threw them up, <laughs> which I didn't know until this playthrough. I don't wow. think I ever noticed that. I line, didn't know that either. But that's how much the man loves his smokes. Okay. So good for him. Um, that's so unique that that's an item in this game yep. that is actually has use. And it does have purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is, I think, the only item you have in the beginning of the game. It is. And um, I, I think it's just great that that whole opening with the heliport um, it kind of shows you how to sneak around guards. You have to kind of observe their patterns. It's very simple at first, and then later it gets the AI gets a little more complicated, which I liked. They're very kind of in the beginning. They're just going about their little linear routines. Um, and then there's searchlights. Uh, there's cameras, which you have to like press up against the wall and sneak by. It's all just like, okay, here's how it works, and uh, we're going to test you on this later. It's, and that's kind of the philosophy of the game. So pretty much in the beginning, I would say that this is kind of, I noticed pretty much right away that the codec is like, I like it, but I find it very invasive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like all the conversations are great. They're insightful, often very funny. But sometimes I just, and I, I like the idea that you can call them whatever you want and ask and they'll, they'll have like a random bullshit Mm-hmm. whatever like there's one contact who is completely optional and if you call her she will um tell you about whatever weapon or whatever item you're using i think that's really cool um but the thing about it is and i don't know if this is just like anime bullshit but you're on like a super urgent mission and like you're just kind of yucking it up with them i think yeah. it kind of takes me out of the moment yeah, just, a little bit just let me play the fucking game like like how origin is it you yeah, know what yeah, i yeah, mean yeah, like yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. do we have time to talk about movies and i guess it's not they that do important that in so many <laughs> of these games though it's unbelievable it's it's pretty like, funny the degree to which they all talk about their feelings like yes yeah like for you're, sure you're, you're there to like stop a nuclear launch <laughs> and you have time to discuss philosophy just waxing poetic about <laughs> yeah. like what it's what it means to be a soldier <laughs> i mean i guess like that adds some you know, that adds some depth to the game. Have you ever for seen sure. Invasion of the Body Snatchers? It's like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about this right now? Yeah. But um, no, so uh, I, I would say it makes a positive first impression. Um, the Like I said, the control's pretty dated, but 
it's pretty forgiving. I feel like this game kind of works within its sort of arcadey sort of layout. Yeah. I think it works a little better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, yeah. Still feels good to play after all this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is it is very responsive. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Um so the beginning of the game, your objective is to rescue a couple hostages, right? Mm-hmm. And um the first one is the DARPA chief, uh Donald Anderson, um, who was there to survey the the weapons test or whatever. And um, you meet him, and he almost immediately has a heart attack. And it's it's very much, like, uh, mysterious as to why. Um, shortly thereafter, you meet uh, Meryl, who is Colonel Campbell's niece. Mm-hmm. And um, this is actually a part of the game that I didn't like, where uh, all the soldiers, like, storm in at you, and you just have to, like, mow them down. Yeah, very arcadey and strange, right? It's just, like, weird because the aiming isn't really... Yeah. Reliable. Yeah. And I just felt like, okay, like it's way too early to be like guns blazing. But like yeah. I want to sneak around. But more. we get it. But in, in that scene, we get our, our first introduction to Johnny. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So Johnny is um, this kind of joke character who uh, becomes far more prominent later. And his big thing is that he's always shitting his pants. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a little meme. I, I think it's it's just, it's funny to have a character. These games do that. have plenty of memes. I, I think in two, he's like an Easter egg. Like you have to like be pointing at him with a directional microphone or something to hear him. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I, th- I think that's the it's case. It's always Correct like he's wrong, sick though. or he's, yeah. you know, whatever. You poison him, whatever. But um, no, yeah. So uh, Merrill is another soldier uh, stationed there and you kind of go your separate ways and you're left to your own devices again. Um and shortly after this, I wanted to bring up because it's so funny that you have the when you know when you're um, pressed up against the wall, you can knock it, you know, mm-hmm. check for studs. <laughs> and you're looking for like hollow spaces where you can plant C4. And I thought it was so funny that Ocarina of Time did that the same year with the um, swing your sword yeah. to oh bo- to see if there are fi- yeah 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 if you can bomb and walls. I don't I can't free me. I don't remember if that was a thing in the, in previous Zelda games, but. Pretty cool that it was Lin- linked to the past, yes. Oh, okay. yeah. But you would also see the cracks in the wall, too. Right, yep. right, right. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they kind of synced up there. That's pretty cool. Um, you get a lot of gear in that area of the game. And then you get kind of your first boss fight with Ocelot. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember like your first experience playing this? Yeah, this yeah. is when you're kind of essentially chasing him in a circle and yeah. trying to shoot at him, right? Because it's kind of derpy. It is very derpy. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a member of Foxhound. He is kind of the second in command. And uh, he's obsessed with um, Western. He's a Russian man obsessed with like Western uh, cowboy imagery. Yes, yeah, so he's always spinning or the, the Colt yeah. revolver. Yeah. 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 And so you yeah. have to essentially, the other hostage is taped up in the middle of the room. And it says if you cross the wires, uh, the bomb will go off and kill everybody. Mm-hmm. So you have to um, chase them around in a circle in the room and use these very derpy aiming controls to, I was or really lack of aiming controls. Yeah. I was really frustrated the first time I played this because I didn't know, like you have to kind of game him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the case for a lot of bosses that where they, they kind of have a move set that you have to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are better than others. Uh, this one is kind of, because of the steep learning curve, it's kind of in the middle for me in okay. terms of the, the bosses of this game. It's it's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so shortly after you beat him, um, he's going to shoot you 
and he gets his hand cut off by a cyborg ninja mm-hmm. as if there weren't enough things going on. Yeah, it, I feel like with this series, as if there wasn't a ton of espionage and like government conspiracy, there are also like ninjas and cyborgs and like supernatural shit. So yeah. here we go. And um, pretty awesome scene. And uh, the, the ninja immediately starts freaking out, uh, cuts the hostage down and leaves, right? Um, so then you, t- you start talking to this guy too, who is the uh, president of the he's the dick cheney mm-hmm. of, of, the, of the company that <laughs> um, arms tech yeah of the yeah. manufacturer of this weapon yeah kenneth baker um and he too soon has a heart attack right yep. so it's like what the fuck's going on um you are then tasked with finding uh the scientist who uh basically came up with the idea who's in the, the adjacent building um called hal emmerich mm-hmm. and so you're you're leaving this area and you go on to the next one. And something pretty cool I wanted to bring up in this moment is that each of the areas has a truck um, and the, the infamous uh, cardboard box that is associated with this uh, series, it depends on which one you equip, but you'll, you can be taken to whichever, like it's basically a form of fast traveling. Interesting, okay. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, like, that's for cool. its time. Um, we should point out, I mean, like, there's so many, like, memes and memorable things, but, like, when you get caught, the exclamation point appears, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, that has appeared in, like, Wreck-It Ralph and shit. And, yeah, you know, very iconic. It precedes its reputation, yeah. Pretty cool. Um, and there's a lot of kind of tricky little things in this part of the game where they're basically challenging you to mess around with, with the equipment. Um, you you find the mind detector in an optional room, and you can like like that'll you know help you see those. And um, there's a room with lasers, and you equip the cigarettes, and the smoke will help you see them. That was really cool. That's probably like one of the when I was playing it for the first time. That's probably one of those moments where I said, "Oh, so they really thought of everything, huh?" Yeah. How do you see the lasers? Oh, smoke the cigarettes. Right. Pretty cool. Very good, and it drains your life when you yep. uh, when you smoke them. Pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. There is a battle with a tank in this part of the game. Yeah. Uh, also very kind of mid on this, I guess. It, it's easier than it looks, though. Yeah. Because it, Which brings me to my favorite voice actor in the game, the guy who plays uh, Vulcan Raven. Yeah, that guy's yeah. awesome. You should crawl on the ground like the snake that you are. <laughs> the guy, the guy is, is true. absolutely awesome. In battle, he fights as if possessed <laughs> by a demon. <laughs> so... So he's a, a shaman with, uh, and he, if I was casting the movie, he would probably be played by The Rock. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And he's, he's the I physique. Um, he's, he's covered in, he has a raven tattoo on his forehead, and he, his minigun is, is his weapon of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, all the different bosses just kind of have their own, like, tool of Yeah, tool their of own trade. Thing. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's a tank commander in this part, and you have to lob some grenades in there. And it's kind of like, it's kind of fair in that it, it magnetizes a little bit. Like, you don't actually have to, you know, nothing but net it into mm-hmm. the tank. I like that about it. Um, and then you kind of move into uh, what I think is one of the most interesting parts of the game, which is the uh, nuclear weapons sto- uh, storage building. And you can't fire your weapon in here. Yep. And the, but the enemies can. So basically, if you get caught, like you're fucked. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty cool to throw this at you, like right off the bat, like your second area. Um, this is where you run into Emmerich, uh, also known as Otacon, which stands for Otaku Convention. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and he is confronted by the ninja who 
uh, and then he immediately uh, wets his pants. Yep. And I'm just like, there's a lot of those in these games. They I'm do just that gonna a lot. Say it like yeah. some someone does it once a game. And it's just weird enough for me to be like, okay, do there's we a lot really, of peeing in these games. Do we really need this? I don't know. I could see it once, but it happens every game. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's uh, you don't K- un- Kojima's thing. I don't know. You don't understand. It's vital to the plot. It's very important. It's very important. Um, I like the boss fight with uh, the cyborg ninja Gray Fox a lot. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like the fist fight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he kind of has his own um, very Dark Souls-y, like... Move R- routine that you have to learn to dodge and be out of range for and everything mm-hmm. like that. And you can um, you can fuck with them and use like uh, chaff grenades, which are intended to disrupt uh, electronics. And then like if you use that, he'll he'll be like uh, he'll, you know, call you dishonorable effectively. Mm-hmm. Like only a fool trusts his life to a weapon. Yeah, and, like yeah, all yeah, these yeah. is like just kind of because he wants to have a fair fight with you. And what you learn is that he is uh, Frank Yeager from the previous games. And he's, you know, he's been put back together as a robot. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, this is kind of when you get into this part of the game, there's a little bit of kind of confusion and okay. backtracking. I may be getting ahead of myself a little bit. You have to re-rendezvous with Meryl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wind up uh, meeting the infamous boss, Psychomantis. I mean, that's got to be one of the most infamous bosses ever oh, in yeah. games, right? Is it the best one ever in games? One of the most iconic. It's got to be up uh, there. It's infuriating at first uh, before you, you know to switch the control into port two. But yeah. I mean, isn't that crazy though? Like, I can't think of any game, especially at that time or ever, where to beat this boss, you have to do something outside of the game yeah. to do well, it. They, they they have there's a couple there's a little um, there's little bits of that beforehand as well. Like, there's a part where um, President Baker from the, the like after the uh, Ocelot fight tells you, "Oh, that's right, her uh, her uh, her number is on the back of the CD case." Like when he's he's telling you how to like contact Merrill. Yeah. Uh, and he does he doesn't know like the code offhand. And you have to literally look at the back of the the the, the disc okay. like the, the disc case to see like her frequency to, yeah. in order to contact her. So there's that. But the the problem with the psychomantis uh, thing is there are no in-game hints that would point you to the, the realization that you have to switch the the control port. Doesn't your codec tell you if you call? Yeah. Yeah. You, but after you die twice, then oh, like the then game, they help. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. So then then the colonel chimed in and is like, "Snake, switch the control to port two. It's like how <laughs> how would I possibly have known that? Like, yeah, and, and I it, understand what you're so, saying. There, there should have been some foreshadowing that that would have uh, allowed the player to to arrive at that. Uh, that conclusion themselves. To make it clear for for everybody listening at home, Psychomantis is another member of Foxhound who um, not only has telekinesis, but he can also control minds and read minds. And he will read your memory card, your PlayStation memory card. And if it's, you know, like a Konami property or whatever, he's like, you like Castlevania, don't you? What's really cool is like, I I was doing some research on this. I, I don't know if this is a fact. Did they have the voice actor record every game that was on the PlayStation One at the time? I or it's close. I think it was just the Konami properties. Like he, he can, he can, he says that 
uh, Tekken. right? Or I, I can't pronounce it. He references Tekken if you've played that. Yep. Um, uh, the others I can't really name offhand. There are a couple of them. I, I can't pronounce the Suikoden game, but it's but, that Azure something as well. Are those all Konami properties? I don't know. Probably. He'll also say, uh, like, oh, you like RPGs? It's really weird. Yeah, like, and, and you know, taking full advantage of controller vibration at the time, he's like, put your controller on the floor. Oh I'm going to move it with my mind. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's so funny. Especially when you think about the time it came out. It's pretty cool. It's very it's very quaint now. I do I do love how that game delights in breaking the fourth wall. It just yeah. doesn't give a all fuck. the time. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, n- none of it feels like cheap in any way. It's, it's all fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and it's it's so awesome that like because you won't be able to hit them unless you swap your controller port. Yep. Um, a couple a couple fun tricks in that fight. Um, he takes control of Meryl. You have to knock her out non lethally. Um, but I, I like that kind of when you when you do defeat him, he he kind of repents. Yeah, and you know he points you in the right direction and and you know says that it feels nice to help you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like that's kind of cool for like such a serious yeah like super mm-hmm. soldier game like. Um, and no, okay, so this is the part that I was talking about earlier that gets me like rustles my jimmies a little bit. Okay, go ahead. Um, there's a couple parts in this game that are just brutal when it comes to backtracking. And okay. it's like a it's a it's a big minus on this game for me, um, revisiting it. Um so at this point you and Merrill um come across this part is pretty cool actually. Um you're you go back outside and you come across uh, an area that that is mined, mm-hmm. right? And she will walk in front of you and do this complex kind of stepping pattern. Like, and she's like, when Psycho Mantis was in my mind, I saw where the mines were planted. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, very cool, very cool. And if you're, if you just really, you can follow in her footsteps. But if you're, you know, if you think about it, Solid Snake, he's a real man. He does whatever he wants. You push forward and you will just completely go through the minefield yep. untouched. You just push like, forward. It, it, really? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And you're already in position to just run a straight line and yes. miss all the mines. I, I think that was intentional. Completely. Honestly. It yeah. has to be intentional, yeah. right? And uh, I think that was like the point. Like she's like really like proud of herself. <laughs> you can just walk. You just run. Yeah, right it's like through. a punchline. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that that yeah. is when you meet a sniper wolf mm-hmm. who um, immediately incapacitates Meryl, and you have nothing to fight her with. So you have to double back all the way back to the first building to get a sniper. You rifle. get the PSG, and then you can fight her. Yeah. And then you go all the way back, and then then you have, a, you know, a proper boss fight, somewhat mitigated with the the fast travel that I mentioned, but it's mm-hmm. still kind of a hike. Um, after this, I, th- I mean, I thought that was kind of cool um, because I what I noticed this time in both of her boss battle, battles, you fight her again later, um, is that when I was scanning for her, because the camera is brutal when you're in these first person. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of situations but what is her giveaway is her breath because it's cold and I'm like oh that's 1998 that's mm-hmm. awesome that they mm-hmm. thought of that um, and you get captured at this point this part I have like mixed feelings about but it is kind of cool where you have a, you're tortured yeah um, that's right and you you get a mash triangle um, what are your thoughts on button mashing sequences? We haven't really talked about I this. I mean, well, I feel like it was kind of a thing at that time where, like, did you guys ever play Legend of the Dragoon? No. Where, like, to actually do moves in this RPG game, you had to button mash or hit certain buttons really fast to do more damage. It, think of it like Final Fantasy with button mashing. 
in okay. combat. It's kind of like that. Oh. I don't know. I feel like back then it also wasn't super responsive, but then it got worse as we look at the next 15 years of games. Sure. So. Well, well, no, the whole point of the, the torture scene is that uh, mashing one button so fast for so long is painful for you as well. So oh, they're, yeah. They're putting you in Solid Snake yeah. shoes. No, I so. think that's cool. Well, I feel like yeah. in that way, I mean, that's probably the, that was very well put. I like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, oh, it's you. completely, and then it's reinforced by you get um, breaks from this and opportunities to escape. Mm -hmm. um, so basically what happens is the first time you're tortured, you get put in jail and you contact um, Naomi, who we mm -hmm. didn't even mention yet. There's another character in the support staff. Um, and she says... Um, put your controller on your forearm and it vibrates and it's like it like massages your your <laughs> muscles and i'm like that's pretty cool that's too. cute um and and it's her her motive in this story is kind of difficult to discern until later but um there's a couple of ways you can escape from prison right the first time i think you just have to stay out of sight and the guard will be like where'd he go and then you can just take him out and do whatever um the other one is that uh you can call otacon for help and he will not help you, but he'll bring over um, some ketchup. And what you can do is you can take this out and equip it and you just smear it underneath yourself. So it looks like blood mm. and the guard will come in and be like, what happened? And then you can get the jump on him. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yep. And also quirky. Yeah. And and the last way I think is just if you survive all the torture sequences, you'll be saved by Gray Fox yep. again. Um. So I, I do like appreciate that you're kind of getting some linearity there. And we should mention that uh, how well you do in the torture sequences governs which ending you get. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, moving on from there, uh, you're kind of left very vulnerable for a while. Um, and you get into the third area, which is the communications towers. And this is kind of where the game gets into like, for, uh, for some people, a little set PC. Um, but I think all of them are good. And like, so there's a moment where you, um, you have to escape, uh, enemy soldiers and you have to run up a staircase and keep tossing stun grenades behind you and stuff. Yep. And it's pretty exciting. And then, um, you have to fight a uh, liquid who is flying a helicopter. That's right. And for some reason I never had trouble with that boss fight despite the camera. I think it like. It, I think it's fair. I'm you. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you you are uh, basically in this cutscene. I think it's revealed that you and Liquid are brothers. I think that's when you get captured. I think that's when that happens. Okay. Yeah. Um, and essentially, uh, both clones made from the genetic makeup of Big Boss. Mm -hmm. um, and his he has a real axe to grind the whole time. I think he's a terrific villain. Um, he's very impetuous. Um, very hot-headed, and he's complimented well by Ocelot, who's very kind of cool and controlled. Um, and he's basically, it's really funny that his axe to grind is based on a fundamental misunderstanding of genetics. <laughs> yeah. Because he's mad that he got all the recessive genes and you got all the dominant genes. And having recessive genes isn't necessarily a negative trait. It, it just means all that means is that you won't pass on as many of your traits to like your child, but it doesn't make you like inferior physically or mentally. Right. So, so it's, it's either a whoopsie by the developers or an intentional. We made this character really stupid. I have no idea. Um, so he's very kind of, 
in that sense, misguided. And a lot of what he's doing is based on that he has a chip on his shoulder, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been, I've been doomed from the start, essentially. Mm -hmm. I'm in your shadow. I'm in father's shadow, etc. Cool thing about this, right? Later on in the game, you learn that Solid Snake's name is David. Mm -hmm. In the times of yore, of biblical times, right? Um, David and uh, Eliab are the sons of Jesse. And they're uh, of, of eight sons. Solid Snake and Liquid Snake had six siblings who were intentionally aborted to stimulate uh, fetal growth, right? Uh, in, in the times of history, Eliab was passed over. He was very fair of complexion. And he was, he was the tallest and strongest one. And he was passed over for kingship because he was not pure of heart. And it was given to David instead. So you get all these connections and, going and, as well. And what is and what is Liquid's name revealed to be in Metal Gear Solid Five is Eli. There you go. And it's it's just kind of like they thought of everything, and it's all on purpose. <laughs> and it, like that wasn't even revealed until you know 1998 to 2015. Like, Isn't that crazy? <laughs> They're really playing the long game here. Insane stuff. Um, I I just like I feel like the lore is very very captivating it's just so much to take in there's a there's a lot it's like even in the first game alone it's bonkers um you do have you have a rematch with sniper wolf yep um in out the, in the snow in the mountains yeah right? i like this boss fight yeah but it does bring me to um a, a trend in video games which i'm glad has since died uh-huh. uh sniper sway oh uh, yeah, yeah a weapon sway yeah, yeah. the drug yeah and because it, it's like I mean, it's not really analogous to reality at all because i'm pretty sure like if i took a xanax it wouldn't make me any better with a gun so like <laughs> uh, so i don't know it, I'm, I'm glad games don't because i, I want to walk back a previous statement i made which is like if, if you play the game now it still feels like it came out recently it yeah. doesn't like you know it, some aspects of the gameplay have aged poorly but i, I think generally it, it still holds up right yeah now. but now that that's out of the way back to the the, the sniper thing so yeah, but it is cool how if you if you don't have the diazepam, uh, this the, you can use the cigs as well. Uh, yeah, and it'll it'll be, calm it, the fuck down. Right, exactly. <laughs> but but the, but the trade off is that you you lose health. Mm-hmm, and sure. I, I'm uh, you know that's cute that that's that's in the game too because I mean I, I feel like uh, of course I, I think a, a few parents were a little mad that like if, if like they were watching their kids play that game, it, seeing that that's like a, a part of it. But yeah. you know it's at least countered by the fact that like, they're like re- reinforcing the fact that the cigs are bad for you. Sure, so if yeah, you yeah, take yeah. them, that you, you, you lose you, health, you lose yeah. life. Yeah. So you know there there is that. Well, we should say that that a lot of Solid Snake's character is informed by like '80s action heroes, sure, perpetually smoking. Mm-hmm. Very much obvious the Escape from New York, Snake Plissken comparison, mm-hmm. the eye patch, and everything. Um, informs a lot of the tone of the game too. You've got a lot of like hard hitting reverby snare hits going on. You know, it's got that got that vibe. Um, getting into the back half of the game here, uh, you defeat Sniper Wolf, and it's, it feels very perfunctory to me with the whole Otacon thing that he was in love with her. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's like kind of taking this moment to explore the tragedy of of you know the consequences of war, but. I don't know. I feel like it, it may have worked better if she hadn't shot up Meryl. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you, you feel like it just feels kind of put on? Like, yeah, a little it's bit. It's weird. Like, like, why is like, this in here? Certain characters he makes you try to feel sympathy with, and sometimes it just doesn't work for me. It happens in the other games, too. Yeah. It's not just this one. So, yeah, a Snake brutally shoots her in the snow, uh, and that's that's another boss down. Um, <laughs> snake. 
do you think that love can bloom on the battlefield? Yeah. <laughs> oh my it's, God. It's, 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 such an, it's such an oddly emotional like conversation to have. Like it, it, again, when time is so of the essence, like you're, you're trying to prevent a nuclear launch and Otacon just brings this up. Like see, like almost apropos of nothing, dude, if I were, if I were solid snake, I'd be like, uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Let's yeah. Sure. But he engages him. He really indulges him. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because sometimes later as the series goes on, he's like, damn it, Otacon, get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> like Jesus Christ. I don't know. Like some, because I think it's cool that there are some lame characters in these games and it just, it's good contrast because it makes you appreciate the good characters all the better. And you know, it's like, it's not like, I don't know. I feel like you, it's a very immature want to have every character be competent and, you know, capable and badass and whatever. And you, you, you have to have some cowards. Yeah. And sure. Otacon is certainly a coward. Yeah, but he's yeah. still a good character though. I mean, yeah. cause the thing about MGS one is there, I don't think there are any characters in that game that I don't like. I think MGS one is my favorite cast of characters. I'd say, like, we'll, we'll get to two, three, and four, and all, all of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, trying to think of one. Yeah. Really? I mean, yeah. Uh, it definitely has, uh, yeah. Foxhound, I think, is my favorite collection of bosses in the whole series. De uh, I think Dead Cell, the Cobra unit, and the BB core, especially, all pale in comparison to Foxhound. I think they're mm -hmm. the coolest the, cast of characters, I think. Well, the, I, I was going to say maybe my weak link would be Naomi, um, but it, she's still, like, very well developed. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, oh, we haven't talked about Mei Ling yet. Mei Ling uh, is your. She developed your radar. Yep. Um, which is how you see the bosses' mm -hmm. cones of vision, the cameras' cones of vision. Um, and she gives you all these Chinese proverbs. Yeah, the game. it's just a yeah. lot of Confucian yep. Uh, yep. herbs of wisdom. To, to our audience, are you guys keeping track of all these characters yet? Yeah. Yeah. Sneak Jesus, how you doing? Hang in there. Yeah, hang in there. Um, she helps you save your game. She. That's her main. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she. I find her charming in, in her. In her ways, I'm trying to think if there's anybody I've missed. Uh, Miller is is your uh, old survival instructor, and uh, all the advice he gives you is useless. And there is a very good reason for that at the end of the game. Um, we're getting into the end of the game here. Mm -hmm. This is the last area. This is where you fight Vulcan Raven, and this is probably my favorite boss fight. Yeah, this is in like the cold area. Yeah. like the yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it it uh, it encapsulates the point of the game very, very well because you're not facing him directly. You're, you're kind of outsmarting him, sneaking around using all, all the different gear at your disposal. And there's like a billion different ways you can play it like C4 and mines and, and the Throwing uh, grenades remote and, controlled yeah. rocket launcher and stuff like that. Yep. All these uh, tools that we didn't even mention. It is, uh, I, I would say it's like, not like the peak of the game for me, but in terms of gameplay, it's, I think it's, it's mm -hmm. pretty impressive. This is sort of the part where I, I start to like groan a little bit again. Okay. Where you get into, uh, Metal Gear Rex's hangar, mm -hmm. right? And I don't remember exactly what point it is. It's somewhere around now where you find out that the DARPA chief was actually, uh, of the last member of Foxhound decoy octopus. Yes. And so basically they had, they had tortured the original guy too far and he died. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't get the information out of him. So they have decoy octopus dress up as him and try to get the information out of snake. Yep. Right. Cause snake kind of realizes, you know, how do they play it out? Like, well, it seems like this guy's been dead for days. I thought I met him right. or, or something. They try to play it like that. So essentially, um, 
what they reveal to you is that Snake, when in his initial, um, you know, when he's getting his shots and everything on the way to the mission, he's injected with fox dye, yep. which is a virus that targets people based on your DNA sequence or something, um, and th- which explains why it affected that guy because he was actually a member of Foxhound, so it yep. stopped his heart. Um, pretty cool that this is actually the plot of the new James Bond movie too. (laughs) And, and, uh, considering how I think the director is a huge fan of, of this series. I think it's, um, it's pretty clear that he took influence from it. Mm -hmm. And you think about how Metal Gear was influenced by James Bond and it's It's coming full circle. Creates this weird kind of, yeah, circle, circle of influence. Mm -hmm. I think it's called. Um, but that is pretty cool because it's, you know, you've essentially just been a useful, no matter whether you succeeded or not, you were just unwittingly spreading a virus to kill these people. Yeah. Um, there's kind of some background intrigue too. That isn't very interesting to me when, um, you get the shakeup of leadership Yeah. with, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Campbell getting removed and Naomi getting arrested because they think she's a double agent. Mm -hmm. Turns out the whole time. Instead of Miller, you've been talking to Liquid, who's yep. been trolling you and lying to you. One thing I don't get about this, which maybe you can clear up, is that the codec is pretty clearly like a radio thing, right? Okay. And the whole twist is revealed when um, Liquid takes off his sunglasses, which he has made to look like Miller. You know, like mm-hmm. he's like, you've been talking to me the whole time. Did you like my sunglasses? And it's like, if he was only talking to them how would he see the sunglasses i, I right. th- it's a, i think it's established early on that he still can see them because i mean there's uh, there's that first conversation with mailing snake has where he he says i never thought uh, a, a, a developer of such advanced tech would be so cute so, so he <laughs> I, apparently he can see them i, I don't know how and i have like, no is idea he, like holding a tv or maybe maybe he has like an eye implant or something i don't maybe. know does he have a hud or something mm-hmm. i have no idea we'll, and, uh... and the whole codec thing makes even less sense in mgs2 but we'll get to that mm-hmm. but anyway uh, I, carry on that's that's okay because yeah. that i mean it makes sense um no what i meant about the backtracking was that this part is brutal because mm-hmm. you have to um travel all the way back up the level to um heat the key mm-hmm. and go into a hot area and bring it like it's to it's to shut down metal gear the key that works three ways you have to put it in normally then you have to heat it up and then you have to freeze it so you have to go back and forth between all these areas multiple times and it's just a grind mm-hmm. yeah um, agreed that is like that's that's like a point off the game for me because if it were, I, it's to make the game seem bigger mm-hmm but if it was tighter, it would have had like a more like kind of indie feel, a little bit more, you know, I don't know, just just as, just as tighter and straightforward rather than we're padding out the game. Let's make you retread these areas. Yeah. And it, and I don't think it's like they do differ it a little bit, but I don't think enough. Yeah. Sure. Um, to justify their inclusion. This part for me was absolutely brutal. Okay. Uh, upon this replay, it took me several, several tries. The boss fight with Metal Gear Rex. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to you have to destroy it. Um, you have to take out its uh, dish yep. up top, and it is constantly attacking you based on your distance to it with a variety of weapons. And these are learnable moves, but there's two phases to this boss fight, and it's like you have to do it twice every time. And yep. there's an unskippable cutscene in the middle of it, and it's just like. It's, it's, it's oh archaic, like, boss design, for sure. Like, when you're doing this back-to-back with a cutscene in the middle, 
And I almost feel like you have. This is almost like soak the damage from the boss and hope you have the rations. Oh, to completely, get absolutely, completely. Um, and it's the the camera is kind of the biggest problem. Yeah, and it's it's just very hard to reorient yourself if you've been turned around. Um, the first part is not bad once you learn it. You can kind of exploit chaff grenades and that kind of thing. But um, there's a cutscene where Gray Fox comes to your rescue, mm -hmm. and um, the unskippable cutscene is really funny because it's uh, Snake aiming a Stinger missile um, at the cockpit of Metal Gear, which Liquid is piloting, and uh, he can't do it because Gray Fox is in the way. And he just, no matter how much you push the, the uh, square button, he's like, it's no good. I can't do it. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, you're just kind of entertaining yourself yeah. with that until you can fight the next phase. Um, and this part, he's so much more aggressive. Like the cockpit opens because he doesn't have his radar anymore. You have to shoot into the cockpit. For me, like I've seen, I've watched people do it on extreme or whatever the hardest difficulty is. They make it look so easy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is, but I had so much trouble with this. And it, it, it just kind of in that moment, I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to play this game again. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> just in its current form, it's just like, you know, everything else played pretty much okay, but this is like just kind of the breaking well, point. Well, I just kind of feel like that when they tried to expand upon it being kind of an arcade shooter into being a little bit more of like an epic set piece, yeah. it just kind of falls apart. This kind of reach exceeding grasp Ye moment. Yeah, sure. Um, but I mean, it is appropriately climactic and everything pretty cool. And then uh, at that point, Liquid drags you up on top of Metal Gear and you have a um, uh, a shirtless fist fight with him. Yep. We're going skins. Yep. And um, a, I mean, pretty cool, just kind of annoying. Yeah. Did, how do you feel about this? I, I didn't mind it. Um, I, I was I remember my first playthrough of the game uh, when I got to the end. I, I kept laughing at how many times Liquid kept dying and coming back. Yeah. Like, yeah. Every time you think he's gone, like I. I after the fist fight, he he falls off Metal Gear and sort of into like nothingness, yeah. kind of like Gollum in Return of the King, like yeah, that yeah. scene when Frodo throws him over the cliff. And then you're there's a there's that chase scene where you're you're driving through the tunnel to get out of Shadow Moses, and then Liquid's like, "I'm not, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not done with you yet, Snake." It's almost like a robot chicken moment <laughs> I, or I something. I, I remember dying laughing the first time I experienced that. Yeah, I I mean, so this took me a couple tries too, but because the controls are very like it's very hard to know where you're going to fall off mm -hmm. and you won't necessarily there's just like a countdown so you won't necessarily fall fall but you'll lose precious time in which case you might as well fall because you fucked up your run mm -hmm. you know what i mean so um that part i didn't really like there's a lot of like grabs he can get you in or like yeah. tackles whatever kind of annoying um but it is pretty it's a cool set piece um, and so the Jeep escape that you were talking about, I really don't like at all. I don't either. Um, it's so brutal because like you have to hold down triangle to get into first person, which is like the only way you can do it. Mm -hmm. You just die so easily otherwise because you're in the end of the game. You're kind of out of uh, all, all your supplies and everything like that. I think you can only save up two rations. Yeah. And you really got to play. You're just trying to soak it and get through. Yeah. It's, it's almost the end of the game. Mm -hmm. And um, you wind up crashing outside where uh, Liquid finally succumbs to Fox die. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty cool moment because the the whole theme of the game is genetics and, you know, outliving your cursed genes and everything like that. And it becomes kind of a, a fate versus free will thing where Solid Snake is always like, you know, I, I choose my own path mm -hmm. and he's the one who survives. And Liquid is, is very kind of 
reverent about the idea of like, well, I was born with this and, you know, I'm living mm-hmm. with everything. And it's, it's, it really, t- it's so strange because it, it ties that in with, I don't know how successfully with all this kind of nuclear undercurrent and anti-war sentiment. And they're always kind of talking about um, how poorly nuclear disposal is going mm-hmm. and how terrible for the environment it is because they're kind of contrasting it with solid snake used to live in Alaska. And it kind of ends this way with him observing, you know, uh, nature and stuff like that and how uh, invaluable it is to preserve that and what a crime it is that nuclear science has sure. imperiled it. Yeah, right? yeah. So a pretty tight fucking first game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I didn't mention is that the different endings you can get, um, if you fail, uh, Meryl will die and you will wind up escaping with Otacon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of... It's, it's pretty poignant, and it kind of leads even better into the second game than the actual canon ending, which is Meryl Lives. Yep. Um, and it's kind of interesting to tie it in with like your own personal resolve, and can you can you live up to the heroic status? Um, that's all I got to say. I feel like I've been talking for hours, but yeah, probably not that long. Isn't the Meryl ending when um, Solid Snake reveals his name is Dave? Yes. And David, Dave. Like, right. like David. Hayden. Just like Dave. Yeah. Was that on purpose where they, the voice actor's name is Dave, and so the, now the character's name I'm is sure. Dave? I'm sure. It was probably cute on purpose, right? It yeah. has to be. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I thought that was a cute moment. Yeah. We're like, do you know what's, you know what's interesting to me? We're like, and I've never, because... Um, all, in all of these Metal Gear games, whenever they introduce a character, it's like a movie. Here's this character's name played by this voice actor. Right. Uh-huh. And and then like at the end of the game, like Snake says, Oh, I'm Dave. And they yeah. say, Oh, but he's also the actor's name is also Dave. It's right. cute. And it's it's in the uh, Otacon ending, it's also they remark upon that uh, his name is Hal and your name is Dave, like two thousand one Space Odyssey. Yeah. Hal and Dave, how about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and then one thing I forgot to mention was um uh, tying back to the reveal that McDonald Miller was liquid the whole time. Yeah. You you find out that uh, everything that has transpired up to that point was all by his design. Yep. Where like uh he liquid uh, let you succeed because it turns out the card keys that you went through all that trouble to make work were actually what activated the nuke. Right. Yep. And, and at that point, that's when he takes the glasses off and it's like, I was me the whole time, blah, blah, blah. So, but if Liquid's whole plan was for Solid Snake to succeed, then why are all his subordinates trying to kill you the whole game? Yeah. I, and why is he trying to kill you like, with a helicopter? Like, 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 it makes no sense. No. Yeah. Like, uh, um, I'm sure, like, somebody might be able to rationalize it properly, but there's certain I don't know. things that I just, like, I've come to terms with. It's an unknowable mystery, mm-hmm. uh, like, like many things in life. Um, I can explain a lot of, of the plots of these games. I won't be able to explain why Liquid is trying to kill you when it's so important for you to survive. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there's a we, there's a lot in these games. I mean, it's just it really can't be understated. Like, hey, you guys still with us at this point? Whoever's listening, do you under could you recite this plot back to me? Like, dude, it's, it gets wild. And I I mean, uh, we we would be remiss without mentioning there's a post credit scene. Um, revealing that the president of the United States uh, orchestrated the whole thing. Uh, it's very Neil Breen-like. Yeah. <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, keep that in mind for next week's episode where we discuss Metal Gear Solid 2, where Sons the, of Liberty. And that is, game gets even crazier. Which and like, just, somehow. Which is the first game times 10 in terms of like 
how like overly convoluted it is. I don't know if Dude, I'm going to be able to do it. We'll see. Yeah, like, <laughs> if you thought this was this was difficult to follow, get ready. Well, anyway, this was episode one of uh, Metal Gear Solid Retrospective, and we will catch you guys next time on Goddamn GameCube for Metal Gear Solid 2, where my brain is going to melt. So thank you guys so much.